They call it fishing. Fishing not with an F, but fishing with a PH. You've certainly been a target, I'm sure. So have I, and so has everyone with an email account. It's when someone tries to fool you into giving them your personal information or sending them money by posing as a trusted source. You know the type, you get an email that looks like it's from your bank with a real looking link that says, click here to verify your credentials. Or you might get an email that looks like it's from someone you know saying, I need a favor. Can you mail me some Safeway gift cards right away? Sometimes there's a telltale misspelling or the email address it comes from doesn't look quite right. Sometimes not. We at Incarnation have been the target of phishing as have churches all across the country in the last few years. It's a common scam where church members get emails that look like they're coming say from me or from Bishop Megan. And it's one of the occupational hazards of using the internet. And it's no wonder that it's called phishing, right? Because the scammers are dangling bait in front of us and trying to reel us in. Now, Jesus tells Peter and Andrew that they are going to go from being fishers of fish to being fishers of people. And he's not talking about scamming people. He's not talking about manipulating them or reeling them in. He's not really talking about real fishing at all. He's talking about net fishing, casting the net of God's good news wide to bring in a rich catch. And in this case, the good news is good news for the fish as well. That's the word he uses twice in this passage, good news, evangelion in Greek good news. He's talking about an invitation to follow him. It's the same invitation that he makes to Peter and Andrew and the same invitation that they in turn will share with others, inviting them to come and see. Come and see this teacher. Come and see this way of life. Come and see. But the fact is that when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about invitation, when we talk about sharing faith, to a lot of our friends and neighbors, that invitation can feel more like fishing with a PH. Evangelism doesn't have a great reputation, nor does Christianity. Over and over, surveys and studies show that people in our society identify less and less with the religious tradition. And more and more, people who don't identify with the religious tradition associate Christianity with certain specific traits, narrow-minded, exclusive, anti-science, anti-evolution, anti-climate science, anti-immigrants, homophobic, some very specific traits that are associated with Christian faith by people who don't practice it. And in many cases by people who do. Now, those traits don't reflect the way of being Christian that I know, and they certainly don't reflect the Jesus I know. This Jesus who is so compelling that people drop everything to follow him and to practice his way. But they do reflect the image of Christianity in our society, and even more so in places like where we live, 
in California where conventional religiosity isn't deeply embedded in the culture. For a while, I lived in Dallas, Texas, where it was still an ordinary social question upon meeting somebody to ask, where do you worship? It's a question we don't hear in California. And that image of Christian faith is even worse right now as the symbols of Christian faith are adopted by Christian nationalists to promote things like white supremacy and authoritarianism. And we saw those symbols on full display in the invasion of the Capitol building with rioters holding crosses and signs that said, Jesus 2020 and make America godly again. We faced some barriers in inviting people to take a look at Jesus in this climate. We faced some barriers in inviting people to consider this way of life. And sometimes we might even choose not to. A few years back, I read an essay that I haven't been able to find again, but I'm almost certain it was by Emily Scott, who's a Lutheran pastor who started a quirky little church community in Brooklyn called St. Lydia's. And it was centered around a shared supper. She called it dinner church. And this essay was about how she related to her friends and neighbors, young adults in Brooklyn, artsy, many of them gay, lesbian, or transgender, many of them with experiences of being hurt and rejected by Christians. We hang out. We have coffee, she wrote. We talk about each other's lives. And I don't invite them to church. They know I'm a pastor. Sometimes they ask about it, and I don't invite them to church. I tell them about the challenges of writing sermons and what's driving me crazy about my congregation, and I don't invite them to church. So for this pastor in one specific place in Brooklyn, the practice of not inviting was an intentional practice. Not inviting was her way of inviting, not to church, she knew her friends had had enough experience already of pushy Christians trying to convert them. What they hadn't experienced was a person of faith living life in a genuine relationship with them without an agenda. Now, Emily Scott was in a specific situation. And I think there are times when we really should invite friends to church, probably more often than most Episcopalians in general are comfortable doing. We can be a shy bunch. And what's important about that story is that in choosing not to invite her friends to church, she wasn't doing it out of shyness or embarrassment. She wasn't hiding her identity as a pastor or a person of faith. She was introducing her friends to Jesus, not through a sales pitch, but through herself, through the experience of being in a relationship with someone they knew followed Jesus. And that's what we are called to do as well. The thing is that if we as Christians remain silent about our faith, we're allowing others who are not silent to define that faith for us. And so if we believe that the Jesus of Scripture is about compassion rather than cruelty, is about truth-telling rather than conspiracy theories or lies, 
If we believe that the Jesus we meet in scripture is about welcoming strangers rather than excluding them, is about abundance for all rather than special treatment for the wealthy or the white, is about respecting the humanity even of our adversaries rather than name calling and humiliating. If we believe that that is the Jesus we meet in scripture, we need to say so because the world might not be hearing it otherwise. I had a conversation earlier this week with an acquaintance who told me about the pain that she felt about her relationship with her brother. He's deeply invested in a fundamentalist form of Christian faith. And the last few years have seen their religious differences grow into an enormous divide in terms of worldview. And I told her how sorry I was, and I shared some similar experiences from my own circle of family and friends. And I said how hard it was for me to understand a form of Christianity that, as she experienced it from her brother, a form of Christianity that glorifies power or cruelty. And I said that the God that I know is a God of love. And it was a pretty short and basic comment, and I was surprised at how strong her reaction was. And she said, thank you. Even though I'm not part of that tradition, it feels really good to hear you say that just to know that there are Christians who see things differently. Jesus says that he is offering good news. The time is here. The reign of God is near. Turn your heart around and believe in the good news. Now, it's not necessarily easy good news. It's good news that involves taking up a cross. Jesus is pretty clear about that. It involves following someone who left home and family, preached a message that wasn't often understood, someone whose own friends left him when he was arrested, and who went to a Roman cross. But with all that, it is good news because it is the path of life. It's the path of joy, a life in communion with God and God's people a life in and through and on the other side of suffering and death. It's resurrection life. This is an incredible thing to share. Evangelism, the evangelion, the good news. It's not simple in our place and time because Christianity is so often associated with domination and exclusion. We're called to do it nonetheless, not as a scam, but as a gift, not as a bait and switch, as an invitation to meet Jesus, the real Jesus, the one who will lead us on the path of the cross that is also the path of life. <laughs>